right, if you'd like to return to your seats, we are going to be reading from the Old Testament tonight, the scripture reading that our sermon is based on. So we'll be in Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. You can follow along in the Bibles in the pew in front of you, or you can read the words that are up on the screen. So Exodus 2, starting in verse 11. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father, Ruel, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him, that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter, Zipporah. She gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue came from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When was the last time that you felt truly helpless? Uh, a couple years back, and, and it was really it was when I was in college, whenever I would come home to visit my family in St. Louis, uh, I was a little bit of a social butterfly back then, not as much today, and I would take it upon myself to get everybody together, uh, friends I went to high school with, friends I went to church with, um, anybody that was willing to hang out for an evening, I would call and I would invite them over to my parents' basement. It was one of these times, it was one of these uh, friendly parties that I was putting together to catch up with uh, friends that did not go to the same school as me, that I called my friend Anna. I called her and I left her a voicemail, simply just said, hey Anna, I would love for you to come and join us and hang out with us. So usually being, you know, college kids, we would hang out until pretty late in the morning. And so I remember uh, after everybody had left, it was probably about 1.30, I get a phone call, and it's from my friend Anna. Now, I think most people typically, you know, we're not, you know, calling others at 1.30 in the morning. It's a pretty safe assumption that most people would be asleep at that time. So thinking that maybe something was going on, I answered the phone and I said, Anna, what's going on? And from the other end of the phone, I couldn't even hear any words. I couldn't make out what she was saying. The only thing that was coming through the phone was crying and groaning. She was clearly distressed. Something was clearly going on. 
I stayed on the phone with her for a half an hour, and it took about a half an hour for her to collect herself. It took about a half an hour for her to cry tears of grief and just get it out there before she could finally tell me the story. My friend Anna, even that night, was considering taking her life. Uh, she recently had gotten into a relationship with a young man who certainly did not treat her well. The way she described it, they made some mistakes, and Anna found out that she was pregnant. The boyfriend that she had, uh, again, he was just a bad, bad dude. Uh, the way Anna would go on to describe it forced her to go and get an abortion. And in the midst of that procedure, there was an accident, and the doctor told her, hey, listen, we're really, really sorry, but I don't think you'll ever be able to have children again. My friend Anna was desperately crying to me on the phone, weeping tears of bitter grief and saying, the only thing I ever wanted to be in life was a mother and a wife. And I feel like my mistakes, my circumstances, the actions that I've just done, I feel like it's completely sabotaged me. I feel completely hopeless, and I don't even know if I have anything to live for. I was a young man, I was in my early 20s, and I don't know, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I do believe praying, and I do, uh, I was praying and saying, God, would you give me the words to say? And I did speak to her in that moment, and I said, Anna, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know when or why, but I need you to hear this. I believe somehow, some way, God is going to use this. He hears you, and He sees you. You're not alone. You see, as a 20-year-old, I did feel completely hopeless. What words was I going to be able to offer my friend Anna? My friend Anna, she felt completely hopeless being in the circumstance that she was in. And so I ask you, I hope it's not a story like my friend Anna, and I hope it's not a story like that, but I've been in ministry long enough, and I've been a human long enough to know that there are times in life where, whether it's through relationships, whether it's through circumstances that are outside of our control, there are times where it just feels completely hopeless, where it, we can't even put words to what's going on in our heart. Maybe we could groan, and maybe we can cry, and that's all there is, but those groans and those cries, here's what they communicate, is life all that it's cracked up to be? Is there something more? Is there a greater purpose for why I am here? This evening, we're going to be looking at the book of Exodus. We're going to be looking at both uh, the people of God and a character in Scripture that we're probably familiar with. We're going to be looking at the story of Moses. And here's what I believe God would have us learn about him tonight. He is always at work in the lives of His people. God is always at work in the lives of His people. But sometimes it's in ways that are maybe uh, not as expected. Sometimes the, He works in our lives and in our hearts in unexpected places. And we're going to see that as we look at the life of Moses. We're going to see that God is always at work in the lives of His people through their character through their actions, and through their circumstances. Through their character, through their actions, and through their circumstances. Those are going to be our three points this evening. 
Point number one, God is at work through His people through their character. So when we look at the life of Moses, he really does have quite a fascinating story. Uh, He was born to the Hebrew people. Uh, There's, you know, enough language around chapter 1 where we read that uh, there's there's some idea that Moses is supposed to be special. He was born with an edict that he was to be murdered literally upon his birth, yet through these uh, defiant women who were faithful to God and not uh, faithful to Pharaoh, Moses was spared, he was saved, and you could kind of just tell through his upbringing, he was going to be meant, he was meant for something. And then so, as the story goes, he ends up getting adopted uh, into the royal household of Egypt. Pharaoh's own daughter, remember the one who said, you know, kill the baby? She doesn't kill him, but she adopts him and raises Moses as her own. He really has kind of a great pedigree, uh, special amongst the Hebrews, literally royalty amongst the Egyptians. In some ways, he has almost everything going for him but then his character gets in the way, if we want to say it like that. What's the specific thing that we see about the character of Moses? I think we see Moses cannot stand injustice to such a degree that he has to take action against it. And so that's the story. Uh, If we look at other places in Scripture, we know that it was around this time. Moses was a grown man. He was nearly 40 years old, give or take two or three years. So as a grown man, as a prince of Egypt, Moses goes walking around, and he knows that he was actually born uh, from the Hebrews. He knows that he has a, a Hebrew lineage and background, and he sees his people. He sees the Hebrews, and he sees the way that they're being treated, the way that they're being abused, the way that they're uh, forced to work hard, and and how they're being denied so many of the basic needs that were required to live even at this time. And Moses cannot abide it. Seeing injustice, seeing a harsh uh, slave owner, seeing him beat his his, uh, Hebrew man, Moses steps in and he takes action. He murders, he murders the man uh, who is abusing the other man. So here's the thing. When we read the story of Moses, and not just here in Exodus chapter 2, but really when we track with all of his life, Moses has a lot of really good things and, and really uh, admirable things about his character that I think we could say, yeah, that'd be good to model after. But there are plenty of things. Moses is short-tempered. Sometimes Moses is quick to action like we see here. There are plenty of times where his character, it almost seems to get in the way of what God has called him to do. And so that's exactly it. The way that the text reads, it's, it's almost like a murder mystery at this point. Moses is paranoid. He tries to hide up the fact that he just murdered an Egyptian and bury him in the sand. But then it's the next day that he finds out, oh my gosh, my people, the Hebrew people, they don't actually respect and they're not cool with what I did. And they know about it. I thought I covered this up. I thought it was a secret. I thought I was safe. But if they know about it, it's only a matter of time before Pharaoh finds out. And I know the law. I may be a prince of Egypt, but I know that if I am convicted of killing an Egyptian, I know what my fate will be. Moses, at least in his mind at this time, he has only one option. He must flee. 
And so Moses runs away. Now again, plenty that we could push back on, on Moses on. I do want you to notice the text itself doesn't celebrate the fact that Moses killed an Egyptian. In fact, it's looked down upon. But I also want us to see it's this character, uh, it's this idea that he cannot stand for justice that God is going to continue to develop in Moses. He does not have it figured out. He has not come into maturity. He does not uh, speak out against injustice the way that he one day will. Yet, still, this passion, this, this life in his heart that says, I cannot stand for my people to be abused, it's that very uh, part of his character that God will develop, that God will grow, and God will use to ultimately bring about the redemption of his people. You see, again, I believe that there are times in life where we will ask this question, God, are you even there? God, things feel so helpless. Things do not feel like they're the way that they are supposed to be. Are you even there? Scripture also makes it abundantly clear uh, that we are made after the image of God. Literally, He has put His heart on us, and He has caused us to love some of the things that He loves and hate some of the things that He hates, and we certainly get that wrong just like Moses got it wrong here. But I think there's something that we could look into our own hearts. I think there's a question that we should be asking about our own character. What stirs your heart? What are you passionate about? What causes you to laugh? What causes you to cry, to get angry about, to get sad over? What parts of your character do you even now reflect the image of God? What parts of your character do you show the world who God is? And then even more specifically, where do you need to grow so that you are genuinely reflecting uh, God's character? Again, on the one hand, Moses shows that God has a, a distaste for injustice, and he will act. But Moses himself, as we've been learning for a while, he partners with evil in how he goes about it. God certainly does not do that. In the action of Moses, we see that God cares about our character, and he will oftentimes shape the parts of our character, maybe that are good but seem to be lacking, so that he may bring about his greater good, so that he may show up. We see that in the character of Moses. But then we also see uh, there's a lot to learn about the actions that Moses will further take. So I think we've all heard uh, the old saying, uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, uh, shame on me. And the, the reason why, you know, we, we kind of throw that little uh, fable out there that, you know, we say that is the whole idea is, hey, mistakes happen. Uh, it is human, it is normal for us to make mistakes in life. But the question is, can we genuinely learn from the mistakes that we have made? So again, Moses He's supposed to be something. He, you know, there, there's, there's all this kind of mystery, and it seems like almost supernatural events happening that protects him at his birth. Prince of Egypt, he has all the privilege, all the wealth, all the power anybody could ask for, and then he blows it, and he seems to have lost all of it. And so he does the one thing that uh, he possibly can. He runs away. 
Now again, we don't know exactly where these cities are that uh, the Hebrews are building for Pharaoh at this point in time, other than they're on the Nile River, and they're probably pretty close to where uh, the Nile will run into the sea. It is the Mediterranean Sea. Can somebody help me on that? Yeah, that borders. Yeah. I don't know why I'm like, is it Mediterranean or Baltic? Anyways, uh, it was likely near, so again, where, where, uh, where the Nile River ran into the sea. So Moses flees, and he knows he needs to get away from Egypt, because at this time, Egypt is the world power. Uh, they have influence that spreads far beyond just the cities that they are building. And so Moses has to get to a pretty—he has to get off the grid. And so he heads south and he heads east, and he'll eventually arrive in the land of Midian. Now, if we were to do some estimates, and I don't have the actual mileage, uh, but many people say this journey, it would have been an incredibly harsh journey through incredibly uh, rough foliage. You know, you could imagine heading east past the Nile into the Sinai Peninsula, somewhere in the middle of what is, you know, more or less Saudi Arabia today, heading that direction. It would have not have been a fun journey on foot. I imagine Moses was probably hot. He was probably exhausted. He was probably thirsty more than not. And Moses was alone. I don't know about you guys, but after making what seemingly is the biggest mistake of my life, and then having to be by myself with my own thoughts for nearly four weeks as I make this journey, as I travel through this harsh land, I'm having a lot of conversations in my head, and I'm having a lot of conversations in my heart. I'm chastising myself. What were you thinking? How could you have done this thing? Look, you have the whole world at your fingertips, and now you've lost it. I believe at this point in Moses' story, I think he's pretty hopeless. And then he arrives in the land of Midian. Now, for all the things that we can be critical about of Moses in this text, I do think we can say he did learn from his mistakes. So four weeks later, whatever conversations he may have been having in his head, whatever prayers he may have been praying to God, he arrives on the scene in Midian to a similar circumstance that got him in trouble in the first place. As he comes near a well, he sees that uh, there are a number of young women and they're caring for their father's flock. And then he sees, and it's easier to describe it this way than kind of what we have in our Bibles, but we'll call them these rogue shepherds. Uh, there's these men that are coming, and they're seeing, oh, there's a bunch of young women. It would, how easy would it be for us to uh, pick on them and steal their flock and uh, have our own way? Again, Moses sees this happening. He sees bad guys taking action. And remember Moses' character. He cannot stand injustice. He must act. And then the text tells us he does that. There are multiple men here. And uh, there are multiple women that Moses is going about saving. And I read this part, and the, the, the guy who loves Iron Man and he can't help but get excited. Moses is a scrapper, uh, and he gets after it. He fights off these rogue shepherds, and he saves these young women. You see, he repeats actions that he's done in the past. Clearly, this part of his character, it's something that was meant to be nurtured. This part of his character that uh, demanded justice where there was oppression, uh, it's something that God wanted to build and to develop. 
And for Moses, at least what we see right here, it took about four weeks, but he's learned from his mistakes, has he not? At first, he's critiqued for, he's critiqued and he's condemned for murdering somebody because, you know, he wanted to fight against justice. But then we see a short time later, uh, he's grown. He's a fighter. He shows up in the way that God has uniquely gifted him and uniquely called him to do, and he saves these young women, one who will eventually become his wife. You see, God wants to develop our character. We saw that in the first point. But I think one of the ways that we can see that God continues to show up in our own hearts and in our own stories, frankly, we can look to past actions. Moses showed up when there was oppression. He put his foot down, and he fought against it. I think we can look at our own stories. I think we can look at our own hearts, and we can ask the question, where have we shown up in the past? Where were we needed? For me, I could look back to my conversation with my friend Anna. I could look back to other times in my life where even as a young man, I could see God was developing me, God was uh, equipping me, and He was growing and maturing me so that one day I could eventually be a pastor as I'm here before you. But this isn't just a pastoral thing. Sure, Moses ends up becoming uh, the leader over the people of God, and I became a pastor. But I think each and every single one of us, we could look at our lives, and we can look at our hearts, and we can see the ways that God has used us. Are you generous? Keep leaning into that. Are you a person that uh, you're, you're a great conversationalist, and when a friend is struggling, you know that they're going to call you? Are you somebody that you lend your hands? Uh, maybe you can't think through this problem or that problem, but you get stuff done, and when somebody's in need, they give you a call because you know you are dependable. You see, I believe that God calls us to not run away from whom we have been, but to further mature, to further grow, and to further develop who He is already making us out to be. Because here's the truth. Scripture time and time again, when God shows up in the midst of helpless situations, oftentimes He shows up through His people. The New Testament calls us to be both the hands and feet of Jesus. These young women, in one of the most helpless moments of their lives, needed a Redeemer. Moses, who probably believes, believes at this point in time that he has lost all value in his life, that he is a complete failure, shows up and gets to use uh, this thing that's embedded deep in his heart. He cannot stand the oppression, and he redeems these young women. So too do I believe that God shows up oftentimes through us. How has he used you in the past? Lean into that. Look for opportunities where God can use you today. We see that God works through our character. We see that God shows up and works through our actions. And then this is the most important point. God shows up in our circumstances. He shows up in our circumstances. So, Moses, again, 40, uh, give or take a few years, when he kills the Egyptian and flees to the land of Midian, Moses remains in Midian till he is 80 years old. 
uh, I think if anybody, this afternoon I actually had the privilege to uh, preach this same sermon to a group of retirees at Inniswood, um, Inniswood Metro Gardens, the retirement home that they have there. And there were quite a few uh, men and women who were 80, and I could see that their lights were going off. Because I think, I think if at 80 years old, if somebody were to go up to Moses and say, hey Moses, have you lived a good life? When you look back at the legacy that you've lived because of the actions that you have done, uh, are you thankful for the life that you've lived? Do you feel like it was everything you could have been? I think Moses' resounding answer would have been no. We're told in the text that he was content to stay in Midian, but remember everything that kind of surrounded his birth? Remember everything that's been going on and how special Moses was supposed to be? He was supposed to be the redeemer of his people. He was supposed to be uh, the pride and joy of the Egyptians, this adopted uh, child of the Egyptians. There was so much that was surrounding his life. Sorry, we have walkie-talkies that are going off here. There was so much that Moses was meant to be. But Moses, essentially, what did he end up doing? He ended up being a shepherd out in the middle of nowhere. Again, content. Did he do, you know, his work every day? Did he have a family that he did? Yeah, definitely. But I think if you went to Moses up until he had this encounter with the burning bush, which we're going to hear about next week, I think he would have said, man, I could have been so much more. I could have done so much more. But you know what? I never really arrived. I think when Moses looks at his own circumstances, he would find that there's a lot to be lacking. And then frankly, uh, we could go back even a a step a little bit. We see that that's exactly the people that Moses is called to uh, help, the people that Moses is called to go and love. They have the same issues, do they not? Uh, When we look at the way the Hebrew says in verses 23 and 25, when we have those verses that talk about crying and groaning, Uh, Essentially, what it comes down to is they are genuinely reaching out to God, but without words. So distraught are they emotionally. So distressed are they with the place in life that they are at. They could only cry and they could only groan to God. Yet God is the one that interprets. God is the one that knows what they need. And then this is the God that we have. This is the God that we serve. Because here's what I've been saying this whole time. Here's the one thing that we're to walk away with. God is always at work in the lives of his people. You see, Exodus started off telling us that his people were being oppressed and abused by the Egyptians. We're told how God supernaturally saved and preserved Moses. How God brings him into the royal family of the Egyptians. And it takes 80 years for God to develop Moses, 80 years to prepare him for the calling that he needs to have. You see, as a Hebrew, Moses is able to actually uh, be a leader amongst the people of the Hebrews who need to be redeemed. As one who grew up in the royal family of Egypt, he knew how to speak Egyptian in such a way that he could actually gain an audience with Pharaoh and confront him. As one who has a character uh, that demands to bring justice where there is oppression, Moses is uniquely gifted. Uh, Moses uniquely has the passion to carry out the calling 
that God will give him. You see, I think if Moses looked at the last 40 years in Midian, he would have said, what a waste, I, you know, at all this stuff, but I've just been a shepherd. But you see, it was in Midian, it was in the wilderness that Moses learned to be a father and a husband. It was in Midian that Moses learned to be able to raise a family and care for a people. It wasn't just this one family, it would have been multiple people that was there. It was in the wilderness of Moses' life that God that God worked in his heart to equip him to become everything that he would ever call him to be. Moses writes this book to people who are in wilderness. You see, the last 40 years of Moses' life, he's back to the wilderness wandering around with a people, a people that need to be prepared, a people that need to be equipped, that need to grow for the calling that God has given them. Here's where all of this, I believe, comes together. There are times in life, again, where it feels life is hopeless, where it feels that we have no hope, that the circumstances are so out of our control, we don't even have words. We don't even know what to pray for. Because what can we say? God, fix this? Miraculously fix this? We don't even have the words to do. But when we cry, when we groan, when our hearts are desperate— what we learn and what we see here, God hears, God sees, and God provides for us a Redeemer. In times of old, the people of God needed a Redeemer, and God did provide. God brought redemption to the people in the Old Testament through Moses, and God brings redemption to us through a greater Redeemer, and His name is Jesus. You see, in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 2 tells us that Jesus, the truer and greater Redeemer of God's people, He knows our temptation. He knows our circumstances. He knows our suffering. In Matthew 28, Jesus Himself tells His people, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And in Hebrews chapter 12, we learn this, that Jesus himself uh, makes the same promise that, that God will to Joshua in the Old Testament. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, oftentimes in life, again, it can feel hopeless. It can feel that God is certainly not at work. If he truly is God, couldn't he be doing something about the struggles that I'm going through, the pain that I'm experiencing right here and right now? God, do you even show up? I've come to find that it's often through these struggles, it's often through these pain, that maybe he's veiled and maybe it's hard to see him and maybe we don't know exactly what he's doing and why he's doing it. But I believe God is more present in the midst of our trials than he, is, than he is when we are in the midst of great abundance and great joy. God hears you. God sees you. He knows you're growing, and He, know, and he grow, knows your cries, and He shows up, and He works in the lives of His people. My friend Anna, who I started telling you about in the very beginning, she had this uh, very tragic event in, in her young 20s. Uh, I wish that was the last of Anna's suffering. I wish that was the last of hard times that Anna would go through. There would be many more, and I would be able to be a part of some of them, not all of them. Uh, I actually went searching for Anna uh, recently online and was able to uh, learn a lot about, about my old friend. 
So today, my friend Anna uh, is married. And my friend Anna, on her Instagram, she has a picture of holding a little boy. Again, she was so scared. She was so afraid. The one thing in life that I believe I'm called to do, that I want to do, is to be uh, a wife and to be a mother. Not only that, though, but Anna actually works and serves in ministry now uh, that helps young women who have been victims of sex trafficking, uh, not only here in the U.S., but also abroad in Africa. You see, we can look at stories like my friend Anna, and we can see, oh my gosh, God actually was working. And I guarantee you, for the child that she has, she wants to be the best mother because she didn't know if she was ever going to get this opportunity. And for the young girls who have been used and abused, my friend Anna, she could look at them and genuinely say, me too. Can I tell you about the God who redeemed my story? We don't always get these, you know, nice silver bows. We don't necessarily always get to see the struggles and the suffering in our life line up the way that, at least at this point in her story, it has for my friend Anna. But I do believe in the life of Moses— in the life of the people of God, we can hold to this truth that when we feel most alone, when we feel most helpless, when we feel that uh, certainly, you know, there is no purpose for why I am here, why would I even want to go on living, we can know this truth. God is always at work in the lives of His people. Jesus is present with you in the midst of your struggles. May we have open hearts and open minds that we, meet, that we may 